Hello and welcome to the Writer's Mindset with me, Christina Adams. And me, Ellie Betts. Each week we're here to help you persevere through the tough times, be your most productive self and get that work in progress published. Wherever you are in your publishing journey, we've got your back. This week I'm speaking to J.W. Judge about balancing a full-time job and writing. shout out to our podcast patrons for all of your support and a big warm welcome to our latest patron austin rogers thank you so much for your support as a patron you'll get early access to episodes the chance to submit questions for our guests and access to our bonus series healthy habits healthy habits isn't your typical productivity advice we're not here to tell you to get up at 4am and go for a three-hour run hell no we're exploring the latest research to find small changes you can make in your life to be happier, healthier, and more productive in your writing life and beyond. To start developing healthier habits today, come join our community at patreon.com forward slash writers mindset. Do you want to write 50,000 words in 30 days? The 50K Writing Camp has got you covered this November. Join dozens of authors making their dreams a reality. Weekly live writing sprints with international best-selling author Daniel Wilcox. A group word tracker to help keep you on goal. An online community of your fellow writers. All your writerly and author-life questions answered. And new for 2023, a one-month free subscription of Activated Authors. Head on over to www.activatedauthors.com forward slash 50K to secure one of the limited spots today. With me today then is J.W. Judge. Hello, Jeremy. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. I'm looking forward to this one. We talk about this quite a lot over here. So just for our lovely listeners then, could you just explain who you are and what it is that you do, please? So in my day job, I am a lawyer with a commercial litigation practice in Birmingham, Alabama, meaning that I represent companies and business owners who get sued for any number of reasons. And so when that happens, you know, we get hired to help take care of them and, you know, see if we can get it resolved or go all the way to trial, whatever needs to be done. And then I also, for the last six years, have made time for writing first nonfiction books about my law practice. And then a couple of years ago, I started writing novels and I've got my third novel that finishes the first trilogy about to go live in a couple of weeks. Excellent. And I did notice that intentional word there of you make time for writing. That's important. And we yeah. will come to that. Absolutely. I also balance writing on a full-time job. I'm currently working on my first book though. So you're sort of paving the path for us, so to speak, Jeremy. <laughs> what would you say then is the key to finding or making time for writing when you have a full-time job? It's definitely being intentional about that time. And so for me, it started in 2016 as a part of my law practice. I knew that I was in my fourth year as an associate and I knew I started need, I needed to start building my own brand and attracting clients so that I could advance in my law firm. And the partner that I worked with was an extra Introverted, gregarious, magnetic person who loved going to conferences and interacting with people. And that is not me. I am an introvert. And like this week, I've been in depositions all day 
every day and I want to not interact with another human for a long time. And so I knew that I needed to do something sustainable for me over the course of the long term. And so I started in 2016, I started a law blog where I would write about legal topics. And that evolved into writing about law practice and client relationships and case management, things like that, that I did for several years and turned into a few books. And in order to do that, I started setting aside time early in the morning before I started doing my work for my practice to write those articles and eventually to write books. And so as I have gotten into writing novels, it's been that same time. I've just transitioned from writing nonfiction to writing fiction in those early morning hours before the rest of the house is awake and before I start my other work. And that's how I've been able to write, I'm trying to think now, seven books in the last five years is just being very intentional about that time. So that's the rule. There are certainly exceptions because there's a lot of days where like this week, it's been 11 and 12 hour days all week. So I don't have the mental capacity to work on my fourth novel right now because I'm just, my brain is all mushy by the end of the day. And the day has to start really early for work to get all these things done. And so there are times when it doesn't happen, but the rule is getting up at five and that first hour of the day is for the creative work. So it's about fitting it in around your schedule and your already existing commitments then. Yeah, because I've got I've got work. I have a young family with two kids whose lives I'm very involved in and I, you know, and a wife. And so, you know, those are the family is my priority. Work is the next priority. And so if I'm going to get the creative work done and the writing done, it has to fit into those other things and I have to make the time for it. And there's also times when, you know, if I'm picking up my elementary school boy from from school and I'm in car line waiting I might try to get a couple hundred words in while I'm waiting there and can't log into work or something so and I learned that trick from Michael Laron who talks all the time about fitting your creative work into these small slices of time and it really build, builds up over time and so you know there's times when you know the kids are taking a bath or a shower and I can sit down for a few minutes while they're doing that and get you know, a paragraph in, and maybe it's 150 words and maybe it's 75 words, but over the course of time between getting up early and making time in those small little margins, you know, I'm, I'm able to get it done. And I think most people can probably do that too, if you prioritize it. I like that word that Jeremy very kindly sent me a copy of his upcoming book, which is releasing later this year, the book, which is how to write your novel one day at a time. And you use that phrase in there, writing in the margins of your life. Can you just explain a bit more what you mean by that for me, please? Yeah. So writing in the margins for me, and I think I co-opted this from Michael Laron because he, I had him on my podcast and have listened to him talk about it. So I don't know if I stole that phrase from him, but writing in the margins means it's these these small increments of time where you can get your creative work done and you don't have to do it in marathons of, you know, like four hour stretches of I'm going to get all this done right now, or I have to write 2000 words today because in my life with the schedule I have right now, generally that's not feasible. And so for me, it's 300 words one day, maybe I can get 800 words in another day or some days it's None. And some days it's 150, but being 
consistent, more or less, is going to let you get that done. And it's mostly about prioritizing and not, you know, doom scrolling through Twitter or Reddit, but instead on the times where you could be doing that, not to say I don't ever do it because, you know, like you're just gonna, but it's being intentional about how you use your time. And if the creative work is a priority, you're going to, you can use those small increments of time, those margins to fit things in. That's a really great concept because a lot of our listeners are, well, they're not full-time writers, generally speaking. They are working full-time jobs or raising kids or any other number of commitments in between. If you can grab little snatches of time in between those things, it's easier to do that, I think, than to just say, I'm going to sit down for two hours today and write as much as I can. Because most days you don't have time to do that much writing, right? Especially for someone like yourself who's practicing law at the same time. It just blows my mind. Well, and I think that in part, my job has trained my brain to be able to switch focus on tasks. And because, you know, I'll be writing a a legal brief and I'll get a phone call or an email or something that needs to be responded to urgently. And I have to be able to switch tracks and then come back. And I know that's not ideal for your, your mental state. And ideally that wouldn't happen. And I could batch times for things, but it doesn't always work out that way. And so when it comes to doing my creative writing, my brain is already trained that, okay, I have this window to get this thing done. And I don't have to, you know, like ruminate about getting in my creative space because it's just like, okay, now is the time you have. So do it right now. And, you know, when that time is up and it's time to, you know, pick up the kid from school or get him out of the bathtub or, you know, whatever it may be, then we'll move on to the next thing and we'll come back to it when we can. That's really good. What would you say to someone though, who is absolutely adamant that they do not have any time in their schedule whatsoever because they're working full time and doing all these other commitments? I am not unsympathetic toward that. And there are going to be seasons in our lives where we don't have the time to write. And sometimes that season may last a few days. Like my work schedule for the next eight weeks is going to be totally insane. And my ability to do my creative work is going to be minimal. And so this is going to be a season where despite my best intentions and hopes to finish the fourth novel by the end of the year, that's looking very unlikely. And so, you know, for me, I'm looking at a season of a few weeks or maybe even a couple months. There are going to be people who, you know, they're raising a family or maybe they're homeschooling or doing foster care and working. And we're, they're looking at a couple of years where they just don't have the capacity and the bandwidth to do that. And that's, that's real. But I think for the majority of people who would be inclined to say it, I would say, look at the time that you are not all time watching TV and then on the internet is wasted, but a lot of it is because you all, you need downtime. You need time to just mentally veg out, but you got to look at how you are using your time. And if you want to write and you're not in one of those periods where legitimately is not possible and you just take a look and you know take inventory of how you're using your time and if you're wasting it doing things that aren't productive in any way then maybe you can set aside some time to work on the 
creative thing that you want to do. That's good. I like that because it wasn't, you didn't answer as if to say, you will be able to find time. Because admittedly, we have said things along that line in the past. Even if it's only five minutes, you can, a lot of people can still find time. But I think that was a really honest answer. And I like that, Jeremy. <laughs> there are those periods where you can't always, whether that's because of commitments or occasionally because of mental health, you know, if you don't have that capacity right now, you can't always be hard on yourself for that, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And I will say that I am not a beacon of self-care, but you do need to take stock of, of your mental health and what your situation is and be compassionate toward yourself. I am very much an ambitious and internally driven person and self-compassion is not high on my skill set. But I do think that it is important for people to like, if you go weeks without writing, there's no sense in killing yourself over it. I like figuratively, not literally. I don't do that either. But, you know, just giving yourself a hard time about it, just move forward, recognize, hey, I I wanted to do this and, and didn't. I'm going to, instead of just beating myself up about it, I'm just going to change the behavior and do it going forward. That's excellent advice. Part of your book, then, you shared some interviews you've done with other writers about managing the writing and the full-time job and stuff is there a common theme in terms of what compels us to do something as crazy as try and write and publish books whilst we're also working 40 hours a week <laughs> <laughs> i think that a lot of it just has to do with this ambition to well I, i'll speak for me on this i want to make something that lasts beyond me and I've always been a creative person and that has taken different forms over the years, whether it was you know, photography or when I was younger, it was writing poetry. And then all of it stopped when I was in, well, I did the photography even while I was in law school, but in those first years of law practice, I was learning how to be a lawyer and I didn't have time in those first few years for much of anything else. Then once I got settled and comfortable in my law practice, I recognized that there was this creative well that was empty and I needed to start filling it again. But I didn't always have the vocabulary to understand that. And I, I know, I think we're going to talk about later books that have had a really significant effect on me and I'll get, I can get into this more specifically, but there was a book that I read that really gave me the vocabulary to understand this part of myself and, and recognize the need that I needed to do creative work. And so I think it's just something for most of us that internally compels us to want to create whatever form that takes of that's just a integral part of who we are. And if you neglect it, then you're neglecting a part of yourself. And so regardless of all the other things going on, it's just something that you need to do. And that's what it is for me. That's so true. I definitely feel the same way. I feel like even when it's been, you know, one of those days where I'm thinking, why am I spending all this energy doing something that I'm not even getting paid for right now? I can't not do it. And I think that's quite common among a lot of writers. You know, yeah. you have those stories in you. You have to get them out, right? Yeah, for sure. I like your little teaser towards the last question. Too. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Your book is about writing a novel one day at a time. Why is it important to just focus on one day at a time? Because a novel is, you know, whether it's 50,000 words or 70, or if you're Brandon Sanderson, it's a couple hundred thousand, you know, that's a big thing to look at. And even though I am now writing what will be my eighth book, 
when I sit down and start writing and I'm just focused on this one scene that I want to write, that is manageable. But when I'm 10,000 words in and think, oh my goodness, I still have like 83% of this thing left to write. It can be daunting. And so I, you know, I create a spreadsheet that kind of serves as my framework that I fill in sometimes as I go and as much ahead of time as I can. And so that I kind of have a path of where the book wants to go or needs to go. The scenes and the chapters, even, you know, like thinking about act one, all of that is manageable, but thinking about writing this book or this series as a whole, even though I've done it before, and there's a part of my brain that knows that I can do it. Thinking about it as a whole sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming. A friend of mine who is a writer and I were talking the other day about how we have both this, this fear of being inadequate, but also at the same time having this outsized confidence in, in our ability to do it. And I think that's true of a lot of writers that sometimes you feel like I could just go conquer the world. And other times you're like, I can't even get out of my own shell here. And so those things kind of fight against each other. And so that's a part of that for me is just looking at this one day at a time, get these few hundred words down and move on to the next day. And let's do it then. And the day after that. And, you know, if I can do 300 words a day, I can do, you know, I, I got to do some math here, but, you know, we're talking about 200 days, you've got 60,000 words. So, you know, if you can do a little more than that, if you can do 350 words, then you're talking, you're talking about doing two novels a year. You know, all of mine have been right around 70,000 words. So that's why I say that. That's some very quick math you did there. My brain was still going, uh. <laughs> <laughs> But that's so true. Like, I mean, even if you think about just 60,000, I say just 60,000, that's quite short <laughs> right. for a novel. Even if you think about 60,000 or average, I think it's 80 or 90,000. That's a lot of words. And that's so intimidating, especially for a new writer when you, you haven't yet proven to yourself that you can do it, which is kind of where I'm at at the moment. Like I, I know I'm writing the book and I know I'm going to finish it, but that's a lot of words ahead of me. <laughs> and so even though I'm surrounded by people who are telling us how to do it and we've got this little community of encouraging each other, even with all of that, it can still be intimidating, right? Breaking it down makes it much more manageable. Oh, for sure. So before I started writing novels, I had written two nonfiction books and I started writing what I expected to be my first novel and got 20,000 words in and realized, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> this is so much different than like I write for a living, but not fiction. And it was so different. And so I, I want to finish that story eventually, but I set it aside. And then I started writing another novel that I thought I would finish. And I got to the point in that one too, where, and this was right around March of 2020. So there were a lot of things going on uh, in March of 2020 that were affecting things. But I got to the point in that book too, where I was like, I don't, I still don't really know what I'm doing here. And I really stopped attempting to write fiction for several months until I had this super strange dream that became the inciting incident for my first novel, Vulcan Rising, that I wrote in about three and a half months. But that one, it was the outlier and it was the product of two failed attempts at writing. And so, you know, it came quickly and I'd been reading about craft and listening to podcasts about writing craft and had, you know, most 
or parts of two different novels already written that didn't work out. And so it was just that, okay, I think I'm ready. And we took off and, and did it. And starting can sometimes be the hardest part, right? You say oh, we just for... took off and did it, but sure. sometimes that's, that's the biggest step. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the way that novel worked in particular was I, I had this really weird dream and I wrote it down just thinking like, okay, here's 1800 words about this weird dream I had. And then two other kind of peculiar events happened that I wrote down those as well. And none of them were stories. They were all just kind of just scenes or vignettes even. And then after I wrote down the third one, I realized these all have kind of the same feel about them. And I think this may be something. And so I, I started and, and it did become something. And I had a lot of help along the way and, you know, figured out what my process is. And, you know, when I was most of the way writing through writing that first novel, I realized, oh, this isn't just a standalone book. This is a series. And it changed how that book ended. And there was just so much realization as I wrote it. And it did become a, a three book series that maybe more as we go along. But yeah, starting is the hard part. And then keeping up and keep going is the hard part. And then finishing is the hard part. And they're all hard and they're all rewarding. That's so true. <laughs> I love that the idea came to you in a dream. So many writers have said things like that. Christina, actually, the series she's writing at the moment, that came to her in a dream. And now she's like, well, she's about to release book five and there's at least two or three more coming from a dream. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. And I have been a vivid dreamer. I mean, really my entire life. So I just write them down as they happen, or at least make notes of things. And there have been several that have turned into either short stories or ideas for novels or things that I hope to write in the future. So yeah, that's that's been really good for me, <laughs> but not something I guess I can count on. Write down our dreams more often, absolutely. So how important would you say it is then to consistently write every day? I think it keeps you sharp. And it keeps you in the habit of it. Because if I go for several days without writing, then that's not the first thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning. And if I'm going to be writing in the morning, that's what I want to be thinking about. And so it just establishes that habit and it prepares you of whatever. And hopefully you have a time that you can set aside and do it. And ideally both a time and space so that when you reach that time and get in that space, your body knows like, okay, here's what we're here to do. And so I think it's really important. It's ideal. And if you can't do it every day, then at least have a schedule of, okay, I can do it every weekend for a couple of hours or an hour, or, you know, just have some kind of schedule where, you know, this is the time that I can do it. I think it's hugely important to have that habit of writing. And for me, I was looking at this yesterday while I was, I was taking depositions. I've been in depositions all week and I've taken notes throughout the deposition and I, I can't help but look at the word count because that is built into me. And I, I've kept the word count log for a couple of years now, thanks to something I read from James Scott Bell. And I'm looking at it thinking, all right, I've written like 3000 words today and none of them get to count. <laughs> it's all for work and none of it is for anything creative and they don't count. And if I could just do 3000 day, 3000 words a day for the novels, I'd be doing one a month and that would be incredible. But 
that's not the reality I'm in. But, you know, there are some people who your job is going to keep you in the habit of writing. And that's super beneficial. It's a different kind of writing, but it engages your brain in thinking about words and sentence construction. And, you know, for me, it's arguments and making things compelling and helping people understand my point of view and frankly, why I'm right. I mean, hopefully, ideally anyway. And so I am in the habit of writing. I have that benefit. It's very much a different kind of writing, but setting that habit so that you are in the habit of writing, even if that's not something that your your job has you doing, is hugely beneficial. That makes sense. Even if it's not daily, the, the rhythm of doing it regularly is what's important. Is that what you're saying? Oh, for sure. So you mentioned briefly there that you track your word count. And I found this part of when I was reading your book very interesting because you're obviously very motivated by numbers. And as you said in the book, billable hours. So <laughs> you're tracking everything <laughs> yes. all of the time, which I absolutely don't blame you for. It's a very good idea. But you track your word count every day. You, you see those stats then every day, every week, every month. What are the benefits of doing that? Do you not find, I don't know, I, I would worry it would become overwhelming. <laughs> so... I don't have a daily goal of, I need to write 500 words a day because frankly, that it just doesn't work for me, but I love spreadsheets and that is super nerdy and I'm aware of it and I'm okay with it, but it helps me recognize my progress. So for the year 2022, I set a goal of writing a hundred thousand words because I had never done that before. For the two past years, I've been above 90,000 words each year, but I'd never done it. And so this year, I wrote most of my third novel this year. I wrote or adapted the nonfiction book that we're talking about, how to write your novel or write your novel one day at a time. And so I hit that 100,000 word goal in July. And so then, you know, I have the rest of the year to continue writing and working on things. But for me, it's just, it's really motivated. I don't find it daunting, although I understand certainly why people would and could, but it's not something that I feel is, you know, just like staring me in the face or I don't find it discouraging. It just keeps me motivated and encouraged to keep doing more and looking back and seeing, okay, I can do this. Here is the evidence that I have done it in the past and have done it for, you know, I've kept up with it since 2018. And I wish that I had been keeping up with it for the two years before that, just so I could see it. I and mean, it's just a reminder of past accomplishments, because I'm not a person who looks back very much. Once I have done something, I'm done with it. I'm not reveling in it. I'm not very good about, you know, like rewarding myself or giving myself a pat on the back about having done it. It's immediately on to the next thing. So you finish writing one book, Let's edit that book and then get it ready for publication. And then it's done and we're on to the next thing. And I should probably take more time to enjoy the things. But sometimes I need to look back and just say, okay, I have done this and I can do this. And here is, here's the evidence of it. So let's get to it. I guess I was thinking about it from the other angle of, if I was trying to track my word count every day and I did miss a few days, I would feel guilty looking at those empty squares, those empty cells, because I would feel like I, I didn't do what I was supposed to be doing, you know, but you're looking at it from the other angle. And yours is your perspective. There is certainly understandable. And for me, I think it would be, why is it blank rather than, okay, it's blank. Let's look at, let's look at why. And if it's blank because work was crazy or family stuff was going on, or 
you're doing renovations on the house and that has to take precedence right now, then the zero isn't so damning. Whereas if it's, I just decided to look at Facebook for an hour today, you know, that's different, you know, unless it's for business and you're setting up ads and stuff, because there's going to be the business side of being an author too, that is going to interfere with the writing side of it. And so it depends for me why there's a zero. If it's just a zero because I was messing around, sometimes that happens. Let's put it behind us and let's do better. In terms of your work-life balance then, because obviously that's very important too. How do you maintain that, you know, in terms of <laughs> your work, which I imagine you have to bring work home a lot of the time with something like your career and, you know, the rest of your time that you want to spend time with family, you want to take part in hobbies and stuff. How do you, what techniques do you use to keep that balance? There is not a good balance. I think I try to think of it. It's more of a, a manageable imbalance because my family is my priority. So aside from the exceptions. Like this week has been an exception where I've had to work late every evening. My priority is to be home by five o'clock or thereabouts so that I'm there for dinner time, for baseball practice, or our daughter starting dance classes or ballet or something. I'm not exactly what sure it is, but she knows and mom knows and we'll be there for that. And so it's my priority to be there for those things. And there are the exceptions, but that's the rule. And also the writing won't interfere with those things. It has to be scheduled around and planned around those other things that are more important to me. And, you know, as the kids get older and can take care of themselves, then there may be more time for the other stuff, but that's not where we're at right now. So if it's going to be done, it has to be done in these either slotted times that are prescribed and that's what they're set aside for or in these marginal times where there are a few minutes here and there where I can sneak something down into my, you know, either the Scribner app on my iPad or my notes app on my phone and move it later, wherever it has to be done. But, you know, it's, it's a constant struggle to make sure I'm trying to juggle all of these things and keep all the balls in the air and also make sure I'm paying attention to the things that really are most important to me. And that's good. I like that you said your writing doesn't interfere with the family life. You know, that's still a priority for you. I suppose you can still, if you are writing in the margins, you're going to be able to uh, find time around that. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, that's really important to do. So then what if one of our lovely listeners does have a full-time job, does have other commitments, but wants to get either into writing or back into writing? What would be your advice to someone like that? I would tell you what I found really motivating and still do is listening to podcasts about writing. And this won't be for everybody, but for me, you know, I've listened, I've, I listen to y'all's show, but for going back a long time now, I have listened to Joanna Penn's show, The Creative Pen, and there have been so many others, the Story Grid podcast for several years now that, you know, maybe I listen to them for a few months and they fall away. Or maybe I listened to them over the course of years, but even before I started writing fiction or even attempting to write books, I was listening to podcasts about it and reading books about both the craft and the business of writing so that by the time I really delved into it, I had not a working knowledge of it because I didn't hadn't done it before, but I had this encyclopedic knowledge of what needed to be done. So, you know, if you're somebody who 
it's a season of life for you where you don't have the time to write or do significant amounts of creative work. If you have time to consume other media about writing, that's something that can still engage your brain in creative ideas so that when you do have the time, you have more skill that you're aware of and knowledge about the craft that you can use when you start writing. And so that was hugely helpful to me. That's so true. I've read books on writing craft many times and been inspired to write, even though it's not, you know, it's not an idea generation book or anything like that. It's not even fiction. Just reading about other people doing it and listening about other people doing it as well. It does inspire you, doesn't it? It does make you think, oh, I want to go home and do that now. For sure. Because you're like, these people aren't that much different than me. They are further down the road than I am because they've been doing it for years or decades, but I can do it. And, and sometimes it is intimidating when you have people who that is their living and they've built up this creative business and have all these things going on. You're like, okay, maybe I can't do it. Like that's a lot. But there are people who for my own podcast, I'm getting ready to interview a judge who writes thrillers and like, he's a full-time judge in Illinois. And he also like writes best-selling thriller novels and like, okay, I can identify with that and I can get that work done. And so, yeah. So listening to those people talk about what they do and how they do it and, you know, the increments of time that they have to work with things like that is, is really encouraging for me. Excellent. Then the most important question we have then that you alluded to earlier, <laughs> which is which one book changed your life? As it pertains to creativity. In 2018, I read a book called The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Crone, C-R-O-N. And it is a book about the Enneagram. And the Enneagram is a personality typing system that was created by some monks several hundred years ago. And it has these nine base personality types with some deviations that go along with them. So I am a Christian and this particular book is written from a Christian perspective. And what it did was it helped me, it gave me language for understanding the creative part of myself. Because there would be a lot of times that people would say like, why can't you just be a lawyer? Why do you have all this other stuff going on? And I didn't have a good answer for that other than like, I don't know. I just kind of have to do it. But this book helped me understand that in, in the language of the Enneagram, my personality type is an achiever with a subset of that being like an artist or, you know, a romantic, meaning that I am very ambitious, which sometimes it's hard to reconcile with and be okay with because if you let your ambitions get carried away, then it, anything to excess is not good, but whether it's ambition or anything else, but this ambition with a side of creativity is the driver behind so much of this. And I didn't have the words or recognize that about myself and understand what that was until I read this book and, you know, then reading more about that topic afterwards, like so much fell into place for me and just helped me understand these really central parts of who I am and how I function and why. And so, you know, that book in 2018 came in the right moment in my life and just really has been hugely helpful in, in being okay with those parts of myself and, and recognizing them and 
and being able to give words to it. That's interesting. Yeah. Love- and like my, after I read it, my wife did that test and it identified her, you know, cause I'm pretty skeptical about that sort of thing. Well, so like I was until I read the book and it was like, oh, so this is totally me and this is right. And then my wife did it and she, so she took that test and it was like, hey, you know, here are a couple of options that we think best fit how you have described yourself and answered these questions. And so she's like, oh yeah, that's totally me. And so, you know, it's just really interesting. Definitely. Last, but by no means least then, where can our lovely listeners go to find out more about you? So I have an author website at jwjudge.com. And I am also on Twitter at J underscore W underscore judge. And then with the same handle at Instagram, those are probably the two places that I spend most of my time. And then if you're interested in write your novel one day at a time or the novels that I write, you can find those anywhere that books are sold online. And just let us know, when is the release date for write your novel one day at a time? It's available for pre-order now in both ebooks and print copies, but it'll be delivered starting on November 1st. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing those amazing tips with us. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you having me on. If you found this episode interesting or helpful, make sure you subscribe to The Writer's Mindset on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Or all of them. We don't mind. Everything from a like to a rating to a review to a subscribe to shouting about us on social media helps us to reach more writers so that they can overcome the mindset issues that are holding them back with their writing too. If you're on social media, come join us on Instagram at Writers Mindset Pod or join our Facebook group, which you can find by searching for the Writers Mindset. And don't forget to come join us over on Patreon for our bonus series, Healthy Habits. See you next time. Keep writing. Keep writing.